Blog Talk Radio. Let's get checked coming real quick. Temperature change in here. Throw everything out. Praise the Lord this morning for my, my aunt and uncle. 
uh, he's able to uh, be back home with her and their home together, and, and they look well in the pictures that I got this morning, and I just praise God. We prayed a long, a long time for them to get better, and, and praise God. We can say this morning God has answered our prayers, and we give him glory. Um, I'm trying to think, am I letting somebody slip my mind this morning? Have y'all got prayer requests? Anybody else got any? Yes. I, do. I have a cousin that is younger than me, and Friday had to have three bypasses. Oh, my goodness. Um, his leg got to hurt, and, and then his chest got hurt, and we had to him to the doctor, and they immediately wanted to do three. One of them, they couldn't put a stand in because it had a little crook in there. They apparently... Uh, I got a text Friday, and they said that they were closing him back up, and everything went good. So, Praise the Lord. I'm Praise God. Praying. Yes, ma'am. Good morning. Good to see y'all this morning. Have we got any other prayer requests this morning? Yes, Miss Charlotte. Yes, ma'am. We'll lift you an angel up in prayer. All right. Yes. Yeah, lift on you. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. We lift both of them up in prayer. Absolutely. Uh, any others? Okay. All right. And y'all, y'all uh, need to remember we won't have Wednesday night service this week because because Thanksgiving. So we won't see you again till Sunday after tonight. But we'll have evening services tonight as well. All right. Any other prayer requests before we go to the Lord in prayer this morning? All right. Dan, would you lead us in prayer? Yes. Amen. You can be seated. I was going to sing happy birthday to him this morning. All right. Huh? She's not here, but she knew she had a birthday. Who's that? Annie. Annie had a birthday? Well, well, amen. That's right. Well, happy anniversary to y'all, and happy birthday. You let her know we said happy birthday. All right. Praise God. All right. Let's turn to number 30. Number 30 in our book. Send the light, the blessed gospel light. There's a call come 
Rescue 
man's strength. For that labor the Lord will provide. Back to the narrow way, patiently waiting them. Tell the poor wanderer a Savior has died. Rescue the perishing, care for the dying. Jesus is merciful, Jesus will save. Amen. One more song. Turn over to 180. 180. 180. Bring them in. Are y'all sensing a theme in this? We're talking about getting lost people to church, getting not to church, but getting them saved and getting them in church and getting them baptized and set out reaching other lost people. Amen. Chapter 7. Then we got into chapter 8 and we met 
Philip going down to the to the Ethiopian eunuch, and he was a proselyte too, which means that he was a Gentile who was converted to Judaism by circumcision. So he had he had he had said, you know, the, the God of the Jews is the God of the Bible. Uh, I mean, the God of all creation, and I want to serve Him. So he identified himself as a Jew. He became a Jew uh, by circumcision. And then we see in chapter nine, it's all devoted to Saul and to uh, him getting saved and and for God uh, give it, teaching him, and then he, he goes to Jerusalem, and immediately he's, he's uh, under the threat of death, and so the disciples take him down to Caesarea, put him on a boat, and send him up the coast to Turkey, which is now modern Turkey, to the city of Tarsus where he's born, and he's there for a good long while. So during that time, time passes. We don't know how long the time was it passed exactly, but during that time uh, in, in, in chapter and we're going to read about Peter. We talked about Peter at the end of chapter 9 last week with uh, Aeneas and Dorcas or Tabitha. And, uh, but we're going to look this morning, we're going to look at, uh, at uh, Peter. And uh, I want you to understand something. God divides the world into three groups, only three groups. You can find that in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 32. I'm going to read that to you before we start. 1 Corinthians chapter 10 and verse 32. Again, he divides the world into three groups. Here it is. He says, Give none offense, neither to the Jews, nor to the Gentiles, nor to the church of God. So you've only got three groups of people in this world, according to God. You've got the Jews, which are unsaved Jews. Okay? They're unsaved, the ones he's referring to as Jews. Then you have the, the Gentiles. He's referring to unsaved Gentiles. Then you have the church of the living God, the Lord's church, and those are saved Jews and saved Gentiles. The Bible tells us it doesn't matter whether they be Jew or, or Gentile, Jew or Greek, we're all the Lord's, amen? We've all been made to drink into one body by the Spirit of God. So anyway, so let's just, I just want to say that just to, to refresh your memory on the way God views things. And let's get into this chapter. I've only got a limited amount of time to preach, so I got to get after it. All right, I got 48 verses in 40 minutes. Might run over a hair, but I won't go too far. All right, let's read this morning. There was a certain man. Uh, let's pray. Let's pray before we start. That way, I don't have to. That way, I don't have to back up again. Father in heaven, Lord, I come before your throne this morning, and I need you, Lord. I'd make a fool out of myself if I don't have your power, Lord. If I don't have you controlling me, Lord, I won't know what to say. Lord, I know that you. It's not me. And I give you the glory and, the, and all, the, all, the, all the praise, Lord. It's you. Holy Ghost of God, work inside of me. Work through me. Speak from me. Lord, I pray that you not only work in me, but I pray you work under to everyone under the sound of my voice, whether they be sitting in this congregation or whether they be listening on their phone or listening on their computer. Lord, however they're listening, I pray, Father, that the Spirit of God would work on hearts today. And show them, show them, Lord, if they've got a heart to seek God, God has a heart to come to them. Lord, we, 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 need, to, Lord, we need to be conscious of God wanting us to come to him and a desire for us to know him in his fullness. Lord God, I pray that you teach us from the word of God today. Help me now, in Jesus' name, amen. All right, so the Bible says there, and if you remember, look in verse 43 of chapter 9, and we'll see it kind of set us up for this week. 
it said, And it came to pass that he, that being Peter, tarried many days in Joppa with one Simon, a tanner. Now, if you, in your mind's eye, can see the the nation of Israel, okay, and, and there's, of course, I know this it looks backwards to people looking at it online, but but when you look at Israel, you've got you've got Jordan on one side, then over here you've got the Mediterranean Sea on the other, up high and up toward the top you've got the Sea of Galilee, you've got the Jordan River, you've got the Dead Sea down at the bottom. So Jerusalem's sitting down close to the Dead Sea. Joppa's up to the northwest uh, from the from Jerusalem up on the coast, and then Caesarea's up a little further on the coast. And then you go all the way up the Mediterranean Sea to Tarsus up near Turkey. So I want you to keep those things in mind. Just kind of have a visual of, of where where people are headed. So he he's gone from Jerusalem. He's gone up the coast there. Remember he went he went preaching. He went and that's and when he got up there to Lydda, remember that's where he ran into uh, to uh, Aeneas. And then he went up to Joppa. So he he stayed in Joppa. He's got friends in Joppa. Simon the Tanner is his friend. You know. It's, you know, the Bible, there's a lot of people with the same name in the Bible. If you notice that, there's a lot of Judases and a lot of Joseph. I mean, a lot of, a lot of uh, uh, Jameses, and there's, and there's a lot of Simons, too. But anyway, the Bible says there was a certain man in Caesarea named Cornelius, a centurion of the band called the Italian Band. Now, that doesn't mean that he was working with some group of musicians from Italy. I want you to understand, these are a group of soldiers, Italian soldiers, from Rome. These are, these are Roman soldiers, and he is a centurion, which means he's over a hundred of them. This is a powerful, influential man. All right? But at verse 2, look at verse 2. It says, he is a devout man, and one that feareth God with all his house. So not only does, well, does Cornelius, this Roman soldier who is supposed to be loyal to Caesar, but what's happened? He has discovered, while his time down in Israel probably got around some of those believers that were scattered from the persecution that Paul stirred up in Jerusalem, who had gone up to Joppa and to Caesarea, and now he's got around some of them, and they've shared... They they talked well. I don't know if it was them believers or not, but he's hurting somebody about God because he's con, he's converted to Judaism. Now keep in mind, he's not saved, but he's seeking God. He has a heart for God. Okay, he's not he's not believing that Caesar is his God. He's believing that the God of the Jews is his God, and he feared him with all his house. That says more than a lot of Christians these days. Sad to say, but that's the truth. And he, the Bible says that he gave much alms to the people. So in other words, in or, in a, in a, <clears throat> other than being, in a, instead of being some kind of an ogre and a tyrant and a taskmaster and, and really cruel to the people there in Caesarea, he was the opposite. He was trying to figure out ways to make life easier on those people rather than more difficult. He was trying to find ways to help those who were poor and those who were needy. He was doing good things and taking care of people and, and seeking to do good. And I have a feeling that everybody around there liked him pretty well as, uh, for, the, for that reason. And the Bible said he prayed to God always. So this is a very faithful, religious man. He is very religious, but he's lost. You know, this morning, less than two blocks away from here, there are a lot of religious people who are very faithful, but they're very lost. 
You can be that way. Again, on the other end of town down there at the Kingdom Hall, there are a lot of people who are religious who are very faithful, but they're very lost. Over in Paris in the, in the, in the Latter-day Saints building, there's a lot of people who are very faithful and very religious, but they're very lost. It's that way in a lot of places. And that was the situation with this man. But the, the, the thing is, he was seeking God. And the Bible says, oh, by the way, let's remember what Hebrews eleven six says. The Bible says, but without faith, it's impossible to please him. For he that cometh to God must believe that he is, and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. This man had a heart for God, and he was diligently seeking God. And the Bible says that when somebody is diligently seeking God, that God is a, a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. So, verse 3, the Bible says, And he saw in a vision, so he was praying, and he was diligently seeking God, and God gave him a vision about the ninth hour of the day, which was about 3 o'clock in the afternoon. The Bible said, An angel of God coming into him and saying unto him, Cornelius. And when he looked on him, he was afraid and said, What is it, Lord? That's a question there. And I mean, I think he's like, Whoa, I wasn't expecting this shining being to be right here, this man shining in, in my presence. I mean, he was, he was praying and that happened. God speaking to him. And he said unto him, Thy, thy prayers and thine alms are come up for a memorial before God. You know that means that they were talking in heaven about how faithful this man was in praying to God and all the good things that he had been... You know, sometimes down here on earth, we don't think... We just kind of forget anybody pays any attention up there to what's going on. But everything is watched. Everything is known. Every record is kept. Amen? You know, every word you speak, you're going to run in, run into those words in heaven. That would scare one of us to death. I've let things come out of my mouth I'd be so ashamed of. And I am ashamed of. I guarantee you, if all of us in here told the truth, we've all said some things we'd be ashamed of. <clears throat> I praise God my sins won't come up. Amen. But anyway, let me get back to the message. So anyway, he's praying and he's, he's seeking God. And he wasn't saved yet, but, but the angel tells him, he said, we've been talking about your prayer life and your works in heaven. Now look over in chapter 11, verses 13 and 14. Chapter 11, verse 13 and 14. The Bible's talking over here. This is a, this is a recounting of what happened. All right? <clears throat> And he showed us how he had seen an angel in his house, which stood and said unto him, Send men to Joppa and call for Simon, whose name is whose surname is Peter, who shall tell thee words whereby thou and all thy house shall be saved. God saw a man who's ready to be born again, and God started making it happen. Amen. When some listen, don't don't tell me people can't get saved. All they got to do is seek the Lord, and if they'll seek the Lord, He may be found. God wants them more than they want Him. God is not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. So God wants salvation to happen in people's lives a whole lot more than they do. God, I mean, He 
He's already done everything. We have we you know to ask God to do anything is ridiculous because He's done everything. We simply need to believe. Amen. To be saved, you simply believe on the finished work of Jesus Christ. It's not you doing anything. If you do anything, you're adding to it, and it nullifies it. Amen. It's Christ or nothing. Amen. So he's he's yearning for God, and God says, okay, well, you don't understand, and you don't know, so I'm going to send you help in order for you to get saved. So praise God. And the Bible says he told him, now send men to Joppa and call from one Simon, whose surname is Peter, he lodgeth with one Simon a tanner, whose house is by the seaside. He shall tell thee what thou oughtest to do. Now he's so 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 Peter he's he's down there staying at Simon the Tanner's house, and I and I find that unusual too, because especially because the Jews are so particular about not being around unclean things. And I don't know if y'all know anything about tanning hides, but I, I wouldn't know if I hadn't watched Dirty Jobs and seen Mike Rowe do it. Yeah, but you know. There's there's urine involved in the process. They used to they used to collect urine for the process of tanning hides. People would sell their urine back in the old days. I don't know if you knew that or not. That that's where we get some of these terms we talk about. I'm not going to mention up here this morning. But anyway, uh, but long story short is he's down there he's down there with a man who's who's cleaning hides and all that stuff's disgusting and unclean. And but anyway, he's there. He's staying with him. So I think God's already working on him in a way because he's already allowed that. But here's what you realize. Cornelius and all of them are, are Gentiles. Peter is apostle to the Jews. Okay? So this is going to create a conflict in him. It's going to create a serious conflict in his, in his mind, in his heart. All right? So he's staying down there with Simon and Tanner whose house is by the seaside. That, don't, that doesn't shock me at all. Peter grew up a fisherman, and I figure Peter's on vacation. He's been down there. He's done. He's done healed Aeneas. He's done raised Tabitha from the dead. He's preached. He's visited. He's seen everybody. He's like Simon. I'm gonna I'm gonna hang out here a while and just rest and do a little fishing. I ain't in the scripture, but I just kind of figured that's what he was doing. Just spending some time with a friend. Ain't nothing wrong with fellowshipping and hanging out and fishing a little bit. Hey, Amen. I believe that's I believe that's just right. God's pleased with that. He had Jesus was out on fishing boat a lot of times. So anyway. So he's down there, and he says, And he shall tell thee what thou oughtest to do. And when the angel which spake unto Cornelius was departed, he called two of his household servants and a devout soldier of them that waited on him continually. And when they had declared all these things unto them, he sent them to Joppa. So, again, he was willing to do whatever God said. He was obedient to the Lord. This man has the right kind of heart. He's not resisting God. Whatever God's showing him, he's following. That's that's somebody who's ready to trust Christ and be born again. As long as somebody has got their own ideas and got their own ways and their own will gets in the way, they ain't likely to come to Christ because they still got to do it their way. And as long as you're trying to do it your way, there ain't you're not going to get saved. You're not going to come to him. Because God's not going to add your works to his salvation. The Bible said on the morrow they went on their journey. And they drew nigh unto the city. Peter went up on the housetop to pray about the sixth hour. Now that's noon. So I assume he fished all morning. Probably he come in from the boat. He said, hey, I'm going to, while y'all getting lunch ready, I'm going to go up on the roof. and I'm going to go over and talk to the Lord a little while. The Bible says in verse 10, and he became very hungry. That usually happens around dinner time, don't it? 
Amen. If I preach long enough, y'all feel that too, won't you? But anyway, so the Bible says, and he would have eaten, but while they made ready, so everybody's downstairs in Simon Tanner's house getting food ready and put on the table and getting the glasses filled up with, with something to drink and everything. The Bible says that he fell into a trance. Now, he's praying. He's in prayer, and suddenly the outside world just goes away, and he's focused on what God has brought to his mind and what he's seeing. And he said, and I saw heaven opened, and a certain vessel descending unto him. And as it had been a great sheet knit at the four corners and let down to the earth. I don't know if y'all ever seen anybody do this in a restaurant. They'll pick the tablecloth up and they'll tie all four corners together and grab it and take it to the kitchen. That's that's kind of what I I've seen it happen in a couple of restaurants. But that that's that's the idea. It's just a big old linen bag coming down out of heaven, lowering down. It's like the sky opened up and God just lowered it down. And the Bible said, wherein inside the sheet were all manner of four-footed beasts of the earth and wild beasts and creeping things and fowls of the air. Must look kind of like Noah's Ark coming down. Had all that stuff hanging out of it. I can see elephant trunks and snakes and, and all kinds of things peeking out the side of that thing in my mind. And the Bible said, and there came a voice to him, rise, Peter, kill and eat, Peter said. Uh-uh. That ain't in the Scripture. It says not so, but it was the same thing. as uh-uh. Not so, Lord. He's telling God no. God's saying, get up and kill and eat. Uh-uh, Lord, no way. No way, for I have never eaten anything that is common or unclean. Now, turn over to Leviticus chapter 11. Leviticus chapter 11. We've got to hurry, but I want to show you this, what he's referring to. Leviticus chapter 11. And the Lord spake unto Moses and to Aaron, saying unto them, Speak to the children of Israel, saying, These are the beasts which ye shall eat among the, all the beasts that are on the earth. Whatsoever parteth the hoof and is cloven-footed and cheweth the cud, cud rather, among the beasts, that shall ye eat. Nevertheless, these shall ye not eat of them that chew the cud. Of them that divide the hoof as the camel, because he cheweth the cud, but divideth not the hoof, he is unclean to you. And the coney, because he cheweth the cud, but divideth not the hoof, he is unclean unto you. That's a rabbit. And the hare... Because he cheweth the cud and divideth not the hoof, he's unclean to you. That's a big rabbit. And the swine, though he divide the hoof and be cloven-footed, yet he cheweth not the cud. He is unclean unto you. Of their flesh you shall not eat, of their carcass you shall not touch. They're unclean unto you. And it goes down through there and he talks about the types of fish that she's not supposed to eat, the ones without scales. That's us. They shouldn't eat catfish. Catfish is good. I like catfish. I think y'all like catfish too. I don't, matter of fact, I don't know too many people don't like catfish. But God says... To the Jews back here, or to the Hebrews, you shall not eat that, okay? And it goes down there and talks about the birds they shouldn't eat, the owl, the nighthawk, the cuckoo, the hawk after his kind, the little owl, the cormorant, the great owl, the swan, the pelican, the greer eagle, and the stork, the heron after their kind, the lapwing, the bat, all the fowls that creep going on all four shall be an abomination to you. And it talks about the bugs and all those things that you shouldn't eat. So God had set up that uh, a, a system of what they ought to eat and what they ought not to eat. They were separated unto him, and they were to follow his dietary laws. And, and Peter knew that. Peter had grown up in the Old Testament. He knew all these things. And now God is saying to him, now, Peter, here's this, all these things you weren't supposed to eat. Get up and eat them. He says, no. I may be hungry, Lord, but I ain't that hungry. 
And the voice spake unto him again the second time. What God has cleansed, that call thou not, not uh, uh, that call thou not, I'm sorry, let me read that again. What God has cleansed, that call not thou common. Don't you say that ain't good. I'm telling you it's good to eat. Don't say it ain't good. This was done thrice. And the vessel was received up again into heaven. Now, one, two, three times. Peter denied the Lord one, two, three times. Jesus on the shore of Galilee restored Peter one, two, three times. You know why I believe he did this three times? So Peter would go, oh, is that you, Jesus? <laughs> that was personal. Three times. That was, that was something specific to Peter that, God, that Christ had done. And, and, and I believe it was Jesus giving Peter a nod and going, Jesus, it's really me, Peter. It's really me. This is me telling you to do this. And now the Bible says, verse 17, Now while Peter doubted in himself what this vision which he had seen should mean, behold, the men which were sent from Cornelius made their entry for Simon's house and stood before the gate. So he's up on the roof shaking his head, scratching his head, going, I don't know. This just don't seem right. I don't understand why God would... I mean, he told me not to, and I said, I just don't understand. And they show up out front at the time when he's scratching his head trying to figure out what to do. And they called. They're out there knocking on the gate. Hey! And they asked whether Simon, which was surnamed Peter, was lodged there. So is he here? And while Peter fought on the vision, the Spirit said unto him, Behold, one, two, three men seek thee. There's three again. God's trying to say something to Peter. He's trying to get through to him. He's saying, It's me, Peter. It's me. It's me. Arise, therefore, and get thee down. And go with them. And I know when I say on top of the house, let's remember that these people are not they don't have they don't have pitched roofs. He ain't up there sitting on the ridge line. It's a it's a it's a flat roof. And that's where the in the cool of the day they go up on the a lot of times they go up on the roof and uh you know and so he's up there, he got up there to be a, a part. So he comes he comes down and these three men, the Holy Spirit of God tells him, says he says, Get up, arise therefore, get thee down and go with them, doubting nothing. For I have sent them. Then Peter went down to the men which were sent unto him from Cornelius and said, Behold, I am I am he whom you seek. What is the cause wherefore you are come? And they said, Cornelius, the centurion, a just man, one that feareth God, and of good report among all the nation of the Jews, was warned from God by an holy angel to send for thee into his house to hear words of thee. Now, understand something. This is a whole shock to Peter. Again, he went, he let, his mission was to go and see about the churches of the Jews that left Jerusalem and were scattered abroad. And now, while he's up there just laying around, having a good time, hanging out with his buddies, getting some fishing in, getting some sun, doing a little praying, God interrupts him with something totally I mean, it, you know, if he'd have woke up the next day with purple hair, he probably wouldn't have been as shocked as if what God told him. Because this is totally opposite from what he's ever heard. And so, again, three times, three men, and they're all Gentile. This is not his crowd. He knows this is not right. This is, goes against everything he's ever been told. Now, let's keep going. 
All right, then he called them in, and he lodged them. And they stayed the night there. And the morrow, Peter went away with them, and certain brethren from Joppa accompanied him. So he took a crowd with him, too. He said, I ain't going off with you Gentiles all by myself. I'm going to take some of my brethren with me. I don't blame him. I understand where he was coming from. And the morrow, after they entered into Caesarea, and Cornelius waited for them and had called together his kinsmen and near friends. So, again, Peter don't know what he's going to. He don't know what he's got himself into. And he gets there, and, and, and that guy's got a whole crowd of people waiting on him. You know what I mean? What a deal. I would love that. I'm going to tell you right now. I gotta, I'm got. i going to tell this story. I, I know we're going to go a few minutes over, but I'm going to tell this story anyway. I have a friend named Eddie Harrison. I met him I met him when I went to that conference down in Louisiana. He's from uh, he's from up around, uh, around smack over Arkansas, somewhere in that area. I'm not sure exactly where. But, but anyway, uh, Brother Eddie... He's had a stroke and he's in a wheelchair now. But he, he back when he before he had the stroke, he and his wife were traveling. And they were going somewhere in a motor home, and they're I think they're probably in their late fifties, early sixties. Anyway, they were traveling, going around, and and, uh, and they stopped at one of these campgrounds. And he said they pulled up in there. And uh, when he pulled up in there, there's a guy come up to the gate, and he said, "Hey, are you a preacher?" And he said, "Yeah." He said, uh, "Well, thank God you made it. We've been waiting on you." Everything's set up over here. Just go and park, and we'll get you get you ready and everything. He didn't know what they were talking about. So, But he pulled off down in there, and he, he, he was looking for the preacher. So he, he walked over there, and they had a tent set up, and there was a whole bunch of people there, and they were waiting for a revival meeting to start. They were waiting for the preacher. He said, so I just went on and preached. So I preached three nights. God moved. He said it was powerful. He said, I didn't get into speaking in tongues or nothing. He said, it was all Pentecostals. He said, I just preached to him. I preached Jesus to him. I preached eternal security. He said, I got, I got done at the end of three days. He gave me a big love offer. And he said, I felt bad by taking it, but, you know, I preached. So, <laughs> you know, I mean, he said, it was a deal there. He said, I, I just showed up and God had a meeting waiting on me. I didn't even know. Well, it was with Peter, too. God had a meeting set up for Peter he didn't even know about. All these people hungry to hear. Hungry to hear what God wanted them to do. What a deal. That's, that's powerful. Let me tell you something. All it takes is somebody getting hungry for God. Amen? When somebody gets hungry for God, God will lay it on God's people to go to them and carry them the message of the gospel. We need to go to praying for people in this town. We need to go to praying for people in our neighborhood, on our roads. We need to go to praying for people to get hungry for God. I'm telling you, we need to pray for revival in, in Clarksville, Texas. We need to pray for the salvation of souls in our area, in our neighborhood. Amen. So anyway, so there was a whole bunch of them waiting. And Peter was coming in. Cornelius met him and fell down at his feet and worshipped him. Now, that's not unusual. They are Romans. Romans fell down and, and worshipped at men's feet. They've been taught that forever. All right? And I mean, listen, if you're a Catholic and you get around the Pope, what do they want you to do? They want you to bend over and kiss his toes. Yeah. Romans had that man worship going on for a lot of time, a long time. You know, Baptists got that man worship going on too in a lot of churches. Hey, a lot of people worship the man behind the pulpit. Hey, Amen. Don't you ever look at me as nothing else but just an old boy because I'm just an old boy. God saved by the grace of God and putting a putting a decent pair of clothes. That's all I am. Hey, Amen. I'm telling you, I ain't nothing. It's all about Christ. But this man, he had this idea of man worship. Peter said, "Uh, uh-uh, uh, hold on a minute, stand up. Don't you bow down to me. I'm a man." 
And as he talked with him, he went in and he found men that were come together. Amen. I picture him walking into a backyard and they got they got a little fire and a fire pit and everybody's gathered around waiting to hear. And he said, and and, and, and by the way, let me let me share this with you. Well, let's read verse twenty-eight first. And he said unto them, You know how that it is an unlawful thing for a man that is a Jew to keep company or to come unto one of another nation. But God has showed me that I should not call any man common or unclean. When did he show him that? He showed him that when he let that sheep down out of heaven full of all of those unclean things that he, he was to rise, kill, and eat. Now, was, was God saying that it's okay to eat those things now? Yes, I believe he was, or he wouldn't have told him that. But at the same time, he was saying all those, all those distinctions, all those things that you as the Jews were to keep yourself from, listen, we're, we're, the gospel's going to the world, so you're going to have to go to the world. And that means you're going to have to be all things to all men. And that means you're going to have to eat what they eat. That means you're going to have to get that on their level. And that ain't unclean anymore. Listen, the Jews rejected Christ. And God showed, he said, I should, I should not call any man common or unclean. And I'm going to say to you this morning, I, I, I'm not saying this to be, to be rude in any way, but I know that there is a tendency in us to go to people with the gospel who look like us because we feel comfortable going to somebody who looks like us. I dare say that it would make some people uncomfortable to go into a neighborhood of somebody who was a different color, different, and there's no different races, we're all the same race, but somebody who's a different color and a different social economic background, maybe they got a different way of life, and to go into their home or, or, or go and talk to them would make some people uncomfortable. It made Peter uncomfortable. But you see, once he stepped beyond his uncomfortableness and he followed God's leading, God got him real comfortable with it real quick. Amen? When our natural flesh is not what we're to go by. We're not, listen, again, I've told you before, you know, when I was in Bible college, I mean, I had dreams of going to Paris, Texas to reach my town I'd come from, but God sent me to Shreveport, Louisiana, over by the airport in the ghetto of all ghettos, and, and where it's dangerous to walk around over there, but that's where God sent me. Amen. And you know what? I couldn't let that bother me none. Amen. It's not that I had any problem with somebody who's black, because I've been around black folks all my life and had good friends who were black. But you know as well as I do, there are certain places in town where some black folks don't want to go because it's dangerous there. And that's where God sent me. But listen, God says there ain't nobody too common for any of us to go to. There ain't nobody who's unclean for any of us to go to. Paul said, I've become all things to all men, that I might by any means save some. So Peter's learning a lesson here. And, and again, why does he call them common or unclean? I'll show you. Leviticus 18. Let me turn over there. You want to turn over with me? You can. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus. Leviticus chapter 18. We'll see why he was calling them common or unclean. Exodus 18, verse 21 and following. Here's what he said about the Gentiles. And thou shalt not let any of thy seed pass through the fire to Molech. Neither shalt thou profane the name of thy God. I am the Lord. And when he's saying about their seed passing through the fire to Molech, they would sacrifice their children 
to this God, Molech. People do it today at Planned Parenthood. It's the same thing. It's the very same thing. It's the exact same thing. They're killing their children. It's the exact same thing. So let's keep reading. All right. He said, this shall, thou shalt not lie with mankind as with womankind. It is abomination. That's going on today. That's sodomites. It's happening everywhere. All right. That neither shalt thou lie with any beast to devile thyself therewith. Neither shall any woman stand before a beast to lie down with therewith. There too it is confusion. That's bestiality. Defile not yourself with any of these things. For in all these the nations are defiled which I cast out before you. And the land is defiled. Therefore I do visit the iniquity therefore upon it. And the land itself vomiteth out her inhabitants. That is the way the heathen world was before Christianity came into it. And that's why God said, told the Jews, separate yourself from them because they will corrupt you. And that's what happened. That's why they ended up in captivity time and time again because they went whoring after other gods. And I'm telling you today, God's people in America better be careful because this world is showing us all its little gods everywhere. And if we're not careful, we'll get sucked into following after one of them. You say, I wouldn't do that. Well, listen, there's plenty of gods. There's the god of money. There's the God of science. There's the God of, there's all kinds of, uh, the God of popularity, the God of culture. There's all kinds of gods that pull Christian people into their religion. Be careful what you do. And so Peter said, Therefore came I unto you without gainsaying. I didn't make a big deal out of it. As soon as I was sent for, I asked you, I asked therefore for what intent have you sent for me? He didn't even know why they'd sent for him. He done went all that way, just said, God said, go, and he went. So he walks in. He don't know it's a big meeting. They want to hear him preach. And Cornelius said, four days ago I was fasting unto this hour. And at the ninth hour I prayed in my house, and behold, a man stood before me in bright clothing. Remember I've told you there ain't no female angels in the Bible? They're all men. They all appear as men. Behold, and it's pagan. That comes from pagan ungodly stuff, all that idea of female angels. And behold, a man stood before me in bright clothing and said, Cornelius, thy prayer is heard, and thine alms are had in remembrance of the sight of God. We've been up here thinking and talking about you. Send therefore to Joppa and call hither Simon, whose surname is Peter. He is lodged in the house of one Simon a tanner by the seaside, who, when he cometh, shall speak unto thee. And immediately therefore I sent to thee, and thou hast well done, that thou, hast, that thou art come. Now, therefore, are we all here present before God to hear all things that are commanded thee of God. We're all here. We're ready to hear. Preach to us, Peter. And that soaked into Peter's brain for a second, and he opened his mouth and he said this, of the truth, for real. I understand or I perceive now that God is no respecter of persons. God loves the Gentiles too. That's what he said. I understand now. I see it now. Amen? Let me tell you something. I didn't understand why God sent me to Southwest Shreveport, but you know when I got there and people started getting saved, I realized why God sent me to Southwest Shreveport. Amen? We don't always know why God's doing what he's doing, but God's in control and he's sovereign and he has a plan that's greater than ours. And he, and he, has, he has it lined up for us to be blessed and have his favor and be used of him if we'll be obedient and follow and listen and do what he wants us to do. He's got it lined out. All right? And he says... I perceive he's no respecter of persons, but in every nation, he that feareth him and worketh righteousness is accepted with him. 
the word which God sent unto the children of Israel, preaching peace by Jesus Christ, he is Lord of all. Now, again, remember we talked before about how the message of salvation, uh, about how, how, how Christ had been preached to the Jews. It was all about who he is, that he is the Messiah, identifying him as the Son of God, the Messiah. Again, so he's doing a little bit of that kind of preaching here, you see. He's identifying who he is. He's saying, he's saying that, that he is the Lord of all. He's, he's saying he is the Messiah. That word, I say, you know, which was published throughout all Judea and began from Galilee after the baptism which John preached. See, and John was preaching that he was the Lamb of God that taketh away the sins of the world. How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost and with power, who went about doing good and healing all that were oppressed of the devil. For God was with him. And we are witnesses of all things which he did, both in the land of the Jews and in Jerusalem, whom they slew and hanged on a tree. Him, God, raised up the third day and showed him openly. Not only does he preach him the gospel of who Jesus is, but here he's mixing in the gospel. Now, Paul has not been given the gospel of grace, but Peter's already hinting at it. You see, Acts is a transitional book. Again, we had a transition from the Jews to the Gentiles. And to the Jews, again, the Jews needed miracles and signs and all those things to get them to accept that Christ is the Messiah. Okay? The Gentiles need the knowledge that Christ has died for their sins according to the Scriptures, that he was buried and that he rose again the third day. That's what we do. We look at the finished work of Christ. Amen? I do have to believe he's the Son of God. But but I and because I believe that I know that he died just like the Bible said that he was buried and he rose just like the Bible said. All right, so he preached to them what he had done. He said, God had raised him up the third day and showed him openly, not to the, not to all the people, but unto witnesses chosen before God, even to us who did eat and drink with him after he rose from the dead. And he commanded us to preach unto the people and to testify that it is he which is ordained of God to be the judge of the quick and the dead. Again, who he is, to, to him give all the prophets witness that through his name, whosoever believeth in him should receive remission of sins. Again, what he has done, that Jesus came, that he is the Son of God, and that he died for our sins, and whosoever believeth in him, it ain't about you. Listen, let me say this to you this morning. Let me share this with my heart. It's not about words you prayed. If you're trusting the words you prayed to get you to heaven, you're not going to heaven. Words that you prayed are not going to take you to heaven. It's the faith of believing in Christ and his finished work that it's done. And when Jesus said it's finished, he meant don't add nothing to it. Don't put nothing with it. Don't even turn it. Don't even put a, put a, put a thought of adding anything to it. Because if you're adding anything to it, it nullifies grace. Amen? I put a post on Facebook yesterday that said this. It said, if you are doing anything to keep yourself saved, then you're not saved at all. Amen? Because you can't keep, you couldn't get yourself saved, and you can't keep yourself saved. It's Christ or nothing. Amen? And that's what he's preaching to them. And while Peter spake, yet spake these words, the Holy Ghost fell on all them which heard the word. What happened? They got saved. Amen? All them people that Cornelius had gathered together that had, that 
had, had, had such a dedication to God and, and to helping the poor and doing all those things. They were eager. They wanted to hear, and God knew it. And so he sent them the right man at the right time in the right place, and they all got saved. But I want to show you something. A friend of mine, yesterday I was riding, I was riding down along to you. I was talking to him on the phone, Brother Chad down in Delhi, Texas, and we were having this conversation about this. He said, I love chapter 10. I said, why? Why are you living so much? He said, because I, I can argue with Church of Christ with it and they can't get out of it. I said, what are you talking about, brother? He said, well, he said, you can talk, talk to them about the thief on the cross wasn't baptized. And they'll argue, and they say, oh, that's before Jesus died. And they'll try to argue their way out of that. But he says, take them to Acts chapter 10. They can't argue. Look, here's why. While Peter yet spake his words, the Holy Ghost fell on all them which heard his word. Now, were they baptized yet? Were they baptized yet? No. All they've done is heard the word of God, and they got saved. And they got the Holy Ghost of God right there. So don't tell me you've got to be baptized in order to be saved. Amen? Don't tell me that baptism's what does it, because they got baptized after they got saved. And it's right there clearly in the word of God, and they can't talk their way out of that. Keep that in your back pocket next time you need it. You can't wiggle out of that. All right? So to him give all, uh, I mean, again, he said, he said it's whosoever believeth in him. Amen? And they all, the Holy Ghost fell on all them that heard his word. Now remember this. We receive the Holy Ghost of God when we get saved. Immediately, when you trust Jesus, when you put your faith in him, immediately at that moment, the Spirit of God baptizes you into the body of Christ. You become a part of the body of Christ. The Spirit of God brings to life your spirit within you. And he comes to live in you at that moment. Now, if you look at Acts 38, what did he say to them? Repent and be ye baptized for the remission of sins and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. That was different. You see that? Repent and be baptized, and then you'll receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. Here, they heard the word, they received the Holy Ghost, and then they're going to get baptized. So why is it different? Because Acts is a transitional book. And it's transitioning to the Gentiles. This Cornelius and his group are the first Gentiles ever saved ever saved by the grace of God. Amen. We're witnessing the first converts saved by the grace of God this way. All right? The Bible says, and they of the circumcision which believed, so there's no arguing about that, they believed, were astonished. All right? Now, now these are the people that came with Peter, rather. They were astonished. Blew their minds. As many as came with Peter. Wow, they're all Jews. They ain't never seen anything like this before in their lives. Because that on the Gentiles also was poured out the gift of the Holy Ghost. Now, how did they know that? Well, here, again, the only time, the last time you're going to see this in the Word of God. For they heard them speak with tongues and magnify God. Okay? Why you reckon they speak with tongues? They're Gentiles, right? Okay, it's pretty easy. What was Peter? Peter was a Jew. What were the men that were with him? Jews. Jews require what? A sign. 
Why was the sign given? So they would understand this is real. These people are really getting saved. God is in this. Okay? He said, well, what did they do? They fall down on the floor and start flopping around like a fish out of water and the dress go up over their head and all that stuff? No. Throw the sheet on them. Said, let her loose, let her loose, bark like a dog. No, they didn't do that. Get this. For they heard them speak with tongues and magnify God. Now, how did they know they were magnifying God? I got an idea that they spoke either Hebrew or Chaldean in the disciples' language that they couldn't have known otherwise. I believe they went to praising God in Hebrew, and they said, wow, they really did get saved. This is God. They didn't know Hebrew. God did this. And what did he say? Can any man forbid water that these should not be baptized which have received the Holy Ghost as well as we? And he commanded them to be baptized in the name of the Lord. Then prayed they him to tarry certain days. Stay with us. Teach us. Establish us in the word of God. I'm going to tell you something this morning. God wants people to be saved. God can get people to Christ. But people who within his family have got to be willing to be the messengers. God could have wrote it in the clouds every day. Every day when we wake up, the gospel could be spelled out in the clouds in the sky for us to read if God intended for it to be that way. God could have spelled it out on the, on the seashores with seashells if he had intended for it to be that way. He could make the forest different colors to spell it out from above in an airplane if he intended for it to be that way. But God, in his infinite wisdom, made it so that you and I, his people, are to be the vessels to carry the gospel to those who are seeking him. And there are people in our own community here who are seeking God, and they need somebody who knows the truth to come to them and share with them how Jesus died for their sins according to the Scriptures, was buried and rose from the grave, and that he'll save anyone who'll come to him and believe on his name and believe in salvation through his shed blood, burial, and resurrection. And I say to you this morning, God's got somebody waiting on you. God's got a Cornelius waiting on every single one of us. I've run into a lot of Corneliuses in my day, and I've shared the gospel. I'm not bragging on nothing that I've done. I'm just telling you, over the course of my days of being a witness for the Lord Jesus Christ, I have met some Corneliuses. I have met some who were seeking God but had no idea how to find him. They knew all about religion, but they didn't know anything about salvation through the blood, through the finished work of Jesus Christ. You and I have the key to the kingdom of heaven. You and I have the answer for their questions. You and I are the mediator God has sent to them to share with them, to be the to reach out and be an intercessor between God and man, to share the gospel with them. It's our job, our duty. And I urge you this morning to take personal responsibility and go to God and say, God, I want to be a witness. Make me a witness. Show me how to do it. Give me courage. Lord God, lay it on my heart. Burden me for lost people. You say, well, preacher, what's the message this morning? I'm urging you this morning to come and or right where you are, pray for a burden this morning. You say, why would I pray for a burden? Pray for the burden of lost souls. Pray for God to break your heart over it. 
God, please break my heart for others. If we don't pray and ask God to make us tender to lost souls around us, the devil will make us jaded to lost souls around us. I'm telling you, this world, everything in it is working to make us numb and jaded. We need to go to God and say, God, tear away the stony flesh of my heart and get me down to where I can feel and lay people on my heart that I can share Christ with. Let's stand together.